work. It's insane. I should have paid more attention to copyright law in school, so. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Well, welcome to my house. Thank welcome. you. I'm glad you're here. Hey everyone, welcome to the Nashville Artist Podcast. I'm Jordan and today Olivia Ladd is here. Thank you. I'm excited to be on the pod. Yeah. So where are you from? I'm originally from Mississippi. My family is all kind of from the coast. I grew up in Jackson, the capital. And then I came to Tennessee like seven, seven eight years ago to go to school at MTSU. And I've been in Nashville for since like 2017, even though I was working here before then during college and stuff, so yeah. Okay, cool, so Jackson, Mississippi. Yeah. Do you have any siblings? Um, I have one brother, he's younger than me. We're very, we're like alike, but kind of opposite. He worked on the railroad for a while and now he's like in business school. He's very like, I guess like the business sibling and I'm like the creative one, I guess. <laughs> Okay, cool. So when you were a little kid, what did you like to do? Um, hmm. Um, I was like really into reading. Like, I guess that's always been my favorite thing. Like, I've always loved books and writing and art. And because of where I grew up, it was, we spent a lot of time on the coast. So like being on the beach and then being like in nature in Mississippi's like uh, something I've always enjoyed, so, yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what books did you like reading growing up? Oh, man. I feel like, well, my grandmother was a librarian, so I kind of had my hands on, like, every book possible. Like, I remember at one point I read through all the books in my elementary school and I had to go borrow them from the middle school. I was very, like, voracious. I always knew I wanted to be a writer, I guess, but, I mean, I feel like I read all the, like, Seer, I mean, I read like Harry Potter and Percy Jackson and like the Babysitter's Club and the Boxcar Children, all the like series I was really into, oh, wow. I feel like. Yeah. So mostly like fiction and stuff? Yeah, well, I don't know. I've always kind of been into nonfiction quite a bit, like biographies. But yeah, I guess growing up, it's, it's I just haven't thought about that in a while. It's weird to think about, but yeah. So when you were little, you had a big imagination. Yeah, I feel like I still do, which is a good thing. So, yeah. Nice. When did you decide you wanted to like become a writer? Um, I guess I kind of always wanted to be a writer. Like I always wanted to write little books and always made books growing up. But I think it was like, like when I decided to go to college for writing was in high school. And I, I was like, you know, I know I'm good at writing, but I don't really know, like, I don't want to be writing, like, technical instruction manuals, or and I don't want to be a teacher, like, what do I want to do? And it was kind of when I, like, discovered music that I was like, oh, I could write about this, and it, like, satiates my love for history and culture and writing, so, yeah. <laughs> and then you were like, I'm going to go to MTSU. Yeah, uh... I, I mean, I, f I really didn't know much about Nashville, but MTSU was a great journalism program and they had like stuff for like programs for the students, which I ended up getting to do, like wrote for the Associated Press Tennessean at like Bonnaroo and we had like a mobile production van and we got to like go do a lot of cool stuff. So yeah, I was really into their program and I knew I wanted to be out of Mississippi and Nashville was like the first big city and it worked out. So yeah. Awesome. 
So what, like, you do music journalism now. What, did you have a passion for music when you were a kid? I mean, I've always really loved music, but, um, I mean, I feel like everyone I know in Nashville, like, their parents work in music or they grew up, like, listening to really cool stuff, and I didn't really have that background. I mean, I was into, like, Elvis and Bob Dylan and Johnny Cash, but I wasn't, like, you know, most of my childhood, it was just, like, the basic stuff, but... I I guess when I was a teenager, you know, like, of course, like, escapism, I got really into, like, you know, indie music and hip-hop and, you know, country and, you know, basically discovered music and have, you know, loved it since, so. Sweet. Yeah. So you did music journalism at MTSU and then did it more here or? So when I was at MTSU, I mean, it's only like 30 minutes away. So I was like, as soon as I moved up here, I was interning and working in Nashville, like freelance photography for a while that kind of helped me get into writing. And um, so I majored in journalism, but then just because of like, I wanted to do music journalism, but I think because of the resources available, I was, you know, I just started freelancing at like music blogs and stuff when I was like 18 and then worked my way up from there cool yeah do you have like a favorite genre of music you like to write about um i mean i mostly write about country but i mean i have covered like a lot of music row award show stuff but i write like my thing is like music history especially country music history i've worked on a couple podcasts about that so basically i'm a huge nerd and that's what i'm into (laughs) who's your favorite country music artist Oh, man. That's a really hard question. Or, like, three of them. Wow. I have to think about this. I have to say Dolly because I'm, like, really... I mean, I've always been into her, but I listened to the Dolly Parton's America podcast a couple years ago or whenever it came out and, like, got really into her early albums, like, studied, like, every song and... So I would have to say Dolly, like especially her 60s and 70s albums. And then probably Dwight Yoakam is like one of my favorites because he's like a little cow punk and like genre fluid and very knowledgeable about country music history and that plays into his music. And then this is hard. I listen to a lot of country yeah. music. Um, hmm. Wow, you, I mean, you've named quite a few. <laughs> Yeah, I guess Dolly and Dwight are my favorites. I literally can't choose another one. I mean, modern, right now I'm really into like Daniel Romano, Morgan Wade, I would say are my two like favorite country artists. So oh, wow. maybe that answers the question. I gotta look up all these others. <laughs> oh, my well, maybe now. But that's awesome. So you've been here eight years now? Yeah, it's weird to think about. Wow. Yeah. What's one of the biggest things you've learned living here? I mean, I guess I've like really become an adult, so I've learned a lot of things in the past few years. It's a very like developmental time. Um, I guess like the biggest thing I've learned being in like the Nashville community is just like, like how far kindness goes. Like when you're kind to people and they're kind to you, like people want to help you. I remember being told like after college, no one cares, no one's going to try to help you out. And I feel like just because I've like done things for other people or been 
nice and or made friends with them that people are always trying to collaborate and like help each other and boost each other and it's like really lovely yeah kindness yeah Yeah. it's important (laughs) it does yeah if not for them it's gotta be for you true it really benefits everyone though to just be a kind person so makes things easier awesome so, uh, what is some advice you'd give someone who wants to move here to pursue art or music or journalism? Oh boy. I mean, I guess just like having patience and like determination. That sounds really cheesy, but I just remember it being so daunting at first. Like, how am I ever going to be like the people I want to be and like my friends that were musicians first moving up here? Like, it was so hard to break into some sort of scene so I think just like saying yes to like every opportunity possible while while taking care of your mental health of course but like saying yes to everything and just doing things and one day you'll kind of look up and be like oh I'm part of something because I've been trying really hard <laughs> nice yeah that's really good advice you never know what what it'll lead to. True, yeah. It's kind of a, in here everyone knows each other, so it's exactly. connected by one little pipeline. Totally. That's the beauty of Nashville. Like, you know one person, and then you end up... It You're just, like seven degrees away. Exactly, from yeah, from everyone else, you know. Cool. Yeah. So what else do you... Uh, you use journalists, you do producing, I'm guessing that's for your podcast. Yeah, so I do, like, radio and podcast production... I worked for WSN, the Grand Ole Opry's radio for a while, and I produced a show every week for about a year. And then I produced, uh, I was a producer on a podcast for them, Building Nashville, about the history of like kind of how WSN shaped the music business of Nashville, because all those employees started like Music Row and publishing companies. Getting off on a tangent. Anyway, and then I produced my own podcast, Bandsplainer. So yeah, I did, I guess I kind of learned audio production mainly through the radio, but some college classes I took on that. Yeah. Cool. What was the, like, what was your original inspiration for bands? I had the idea for a while because I, I guess I was in college at the time when I came up with the idea because I was always like, like, I feel like at parties, like, someone will be like, oh, I never really got into My Bloody Valentine. And I'm like, hold up. Like, let's have a talk. And then I end up, like, mansplaining. But it's me, so it's, like, bandsplaining to someone. Not in an annoying way. I just love engaging in that, like, conversation. So I was like, oh, what if I, like, recorded this stuff and put it on a podcast? Like, all my friends know so much about music. And then I had a professor that, like, really pushed me to, like, get it out there and help me. Yeah. So this has been in the works for like a while. Yeah, I I recorded a few, I guess, in 2018, and then it came out in 20, late 2018, and we did two seasons through 2020. Yeah. Nice. But we can't listen to those right now. Not right now. Yeah, I can't. I can't really talk about the. Uh, I understand. Thing on record, but yeah. There's still, there's like 15 or 16 episodes on streaming right now. On streaming? Mm -hmm. Oh, really? How do I, how do I listen to them? Uh, Like on Spotify Uh, or Apple or Google Podcasts. Just type in your name? Or Stitcher. Uh, Yeah, Bandsplainer with an ER at the end. Okay. I thought they were, you didn't have it up at all. 
Oh yeah, no, it's it's like on everything. I have a website too, bandsplainer.show. Okay, so, cool. Yeah. What's been your favorite band to talk about? I really liked doing, I don't know that was one of the best episodes because it was recorded in the pandemic when I was like frazzled, but the uh, Lucinda Williams is like my favorite. That's who I should have answered for favorite country person, but she's like more than country. But anyway, she's like my favorite person ever. So that was a really fun one. And then also Black Flag. It's probably one of my other favorites to do. That was one of the early episodes, but I like learned so much doing that one. It was like a really fun discussion. You like Henry Rollins? Oh, I love Henry Rollins. Yeah, I've read a lot of his books. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Henry Rollins is is straight edge badass. He is. (laughs) He's pretty cool. Did you ever listen to the song uh, that he did with Tool? I don't know Undertale. if I have. Yeah, he's got this like random appearance on their record. Interesting. And it's yeah. like, yeah, of course, that's Henry. <laughs> yeah, I haven't listened to much Tool, but maybe I should. It's, it's great. It's one of my favorite bands. Nice. Um, anyways, Black Flag, what, what made you like, why do you like Lucinda Williams so much? You said you like her as a person. Like, what is it about her? Well, I love her songwriting. I think... She, I mean, she's like one of the, I guess, like, you know, inventors of Americana. Like, her album Car Wheels on a Gravel Road was, like, right before the Oh Brother Where Art Thou soundtrack. It was three years before that, which is kind of like the advent of Americana as a genre. Like, the Americana Music Foundation was founded in 2001, kind of when this whole scene of, like, people that were outside of country and blues and folk kind of converged. So, anyway, I really like that she such a big part of that because that's kind of my favorite music but also she's from the same kind of area I'm from like the Gulf Coast she grew up between like Louisiana South Mississippi East Texas and so kind of the song she she writes are from like the same dirt I'm from and uh there's a lot of details and geographic like name drops of rivers and bridges and cities that I've been to but I love her as a songwriter because she's incredibly vulnerable and she also writes about very like simple mundane things and processes her feelings through that. Like she has a lyric about like a cat sitting on a window seal or like, uh, you know, she writes these very simple songs in a very poetic way. Her dad was a poet and you can really see that in her music. It's very Southern Gothic, which is like my whole thing. So I really love her. Yeah. And then what about Black Flag? So before I was into country, I was into punk and I still am. But like when I was a teenager, that was like, I was like really into punk. So like early punk, proto-punk stuff, CBGB, Patti Smith, the Ramones, all that. But then I got really into like Black Flag, Butthole Surfers, like bands like that. And I still listen to them quite a bit. So, okay. yeah. Do you like like The Clash? Oh, I love The Clash. Yeah. They're one of the few like non corny political punk bands, yeah. which is like very hard to do. <laughs> non corny. Yeah, yeah. Political. What about The Police? Not. I'm I not guess they're not, the they're not as much of a yeah. punk band. <laughs> I mean, they're fine. I'm just like, yeah. I've never really gotten into them. No worries. I love The Clash. It's like my second favorite 80s band. Oh, they're so good. They're amazing. Yeah. Cool. So, 
you also do social media for a country queer. Yeah. So that's a publication. It's it's been around for about two years. So right now I'm social media editor and I also kind of do some like editorial consulting about, you know, like what our team is working on. But it's cool. I wrote a little bit for them at first. So it's basically just a publication trying to uplift queer voices in country and Americana and folk. And it was founded by someone who doesn't work there anymore a while ago because the word like queer country was kind of popping up on the internet and it was kind of like this tiny subgenre. And when you hear that at first, you think like Orville Peck and like, you know, who like Lil Nas X or something like that's like who comes to mind, but it's a huge community. And I think the website has grown it even more because it's connected a lot of us like at Americana Fest a couple weeks ago, I finally got to meet all these people in this like little internet community we've made and we were all like best friends instantly. Um, but yeah, they put out five to six articles a week of, you know, queer music and queer history pieces. So I, I just never knew how big of a genre it was. And it is a huge thing. There's a ton of LGBTQ people making country and Americana. And I think country is at a point of like a reckoning where a lot of people are like, we can't keep going on the way we have been. And so, you know, the gatekeepers, the powers that be are noticing. And while maybe they aren't doing it the best way, a lot of queer people and people of color and black people and country are kind of sneaking in right now into the well-deserved spotlight, you know, despite the closed borders of that genre but it's been really cool to watch uh the amount of queer musicians that have like come out come forward and like met each other through that so nice. i just went on a long rant but <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's a cool thing this is about please feel free to rant as much as you want cool i'm trying to ask <laughs> questions to you you just spill your I'm usually on the other side of the interview. Yeah, I know. I'm weird. Like, I am like, I cannot. She might say yes or no. To that. Don't ask that. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, I don't. I'm trying to like figure out. So, you do social media, you music journalism, producing. Is there anything else that I'm not? I work for a label right oh, now. Yeah. Like I social media manage for an artist. So it's Cleft Music, which has been around for a while. Put out like. Chelsea Crowell's albums and stuff like that. Um, but we are, so the artist I work with is Lonnie Hutchins, uh, senior, and his son, Lonnie John Hutchins, who owns Cleft, is bringing back an imprint of his father's label from the 80s, so Appalachia Record Co. Mm. So I'm working, his dad's record is the first one we're putting out this December. And he was the former manager of the House of Cash, like publishing company for Johnny Cash. So he like lived on the Cash's land and was there during 1972 to 1978, which is like peak outlaw era. So he has all these crazy stories about like running around with Waylon and Chris Christopherson and June and Johnny. So it's cool. So my job is kind of doing PR you know, like the local publicist for that release. But um, it's also been, I'm working on a podcast kind of based around the idea of like outlaw country, but I've been sitting down with him and just hearing his stories and like recording them because a lot of them aren't written down or like recorded. So I've just been, you know, putting a microphone in front of him and 
getting him to talk and it's like the best it's so fun i love just hearing people's experiences but there's a lot of good stuff there and he's a great songwriter so it's really cool to take someone that's older and maybe never got like their full due in nashville and see him play all these shows and we're putting out his record he's got a great backing band members of Teddy and the Rough Riders, Margot Price's band. So yeah, that's kind of been my big focus lately. Um, it's really fun. And getting to work on a on the label side, I've like interned at a label and stuff, but music journalism, there's like limits to, you can't write about everyone. There's only so much you can do. So getting to actually like directly help an artist I, I like is feels impactful a little bit at least. Yeah. Is that, I'm guessing, Cleft is located here in Nashville? Yeah, we there's a studio in Woodwood, Houston. So it's, yeah, Cleft is like the main label, and then ARC is the imprint. Okay. Yeah. How long have they been around? Cleft has been around I, 10, 15 years, okay. maybe. And there have been some like breaks and releases, kind of been released by release. But ARC, we're kind of gearing up to do a lot of releases in the next year or two which is awesome. It's all kind of out, like outside the line, outlaw country stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Outlaw country. What do you think of Hank three? Oh man. <laughs> That's a question. I mean, he's good. He sounds like his dad. I've seen him live. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Where did you see him? This was in Chattanooga, this old bar called rhythm and Brews, but it was him and he had his old band, his whole band in the first set. They played kind of like his dad's stuff. Yeah. Then they played his country stuff. Yeah. And then they rock, They pulled out, and with each set, they changed outfits. That's and amazing. The, and in the last set, <laughs> they played what they call Hellbilly. Okay. And they, and they yeah. wear, like, bandana masks, and then they were just playing, like, speed metals. Like, it was just, like, insane. Honestly, that's interesting because I've been trying to make goth country, like, more of a thing or make people it is a thing make people refer to it as goth country and like that that could be a variation of that like metal country is not far off it you was know? intense as hell <laughs> that's amazing i have seen so i've never seen him live i mean i've like listened to some of his stuff he does his thing but i am a huge fan of johnny knoxville we have the same birthday like i'm huge i think he's amazing he's like truly an artist uh, a martyr of our of, of wow. our generation and he made a movie and it's called i can't remember something like the something whites of west virginia oh the wild whites of the west wild virginia. whites of west yes, virginia i've seen that and that movie is certainly he made that yeah i didn't know he, he made he that produced that um movie is certainly a look into a very specific part of american culture that lot. country music could learn a lot from because they're out here pandering this party lifestyle and this like labor, you know, working class thing. And that movie is like a stark view of like what that life is really like. And it's not pretty. Anyway, Hank three loves that family. He's like best friends with them. So he goes and stays with them, plays music with them. I thought that was a very interesting part of the movie when he's like hanging out with them. Um, I think everyone should watch it. It definitely will make you uncomfortable, but it's really good. I've seen it. (laughs) The whole family's doing, like, Oxycontin together. It's, yeah. Weird. Yeah, but that's a reality. And the country music sits around and panders, like, the party lifestyle and the minimum wage thing as if it's, like, a badge of honor. When in reality, part, like, poverty is horrible and, like, we're glorifying, like, 
keeping America the way it is and voting against your own interests. So it was interesting that like this country artist like actually lives that lifestyle. Like Hank three um, these Hank three like yeah. you know lives that lifestyle yeah, with them while a lot of country artists sit in their mansion and like sing about that lifestyle. Right. So yeah, I don't know which. Uh... Living the lifestyle is hard and fast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's so. That's great that you really like Johnny Knoxville. Oh my god, I he's grew, amazing. I grew up with Jackass. Yeah, I same. Love Jackass. And it's crazy. I saw someone tweet the other day. They were like looking back, like Jackass is like the least controversial thing that was on MTV when we were growing up. Like everything else was like plastic surgery, eating disorder, like right. terrible stuff. Dark and Jackass was just like. Johnny Knoxville is truly a martyr. Like, he literally puts himself on the line for our entertainment. He's a Pisces. Oh, You know, wow. he, wow. yeah. He's great. How many bones has he broken? Oh. I don't know. A lot. He almost died, like, filming this last movie. He had, like, a brain bleed when he, like, fought a bull. Which oh I, God. there's a GQ that's like profile when, about it. That's really amazing. Butterbead and punched him in the head. <laughs> and he hit the, yeah. his head against that glass thing. <laughs> he was, like, bleeding out. Yeah, he really, you know, he gives take, it all. Yeah, he takes one for the team. He really does. He's like, is that painful? All right, I'll do it. I'll do it for the people, for the people. <laughs> when he's like in his 20s and he's like, all right, all I want you to do, I'm going to hold the American flag and you're going to tase me. Yeah, it's like crazy that he's not dead, but hopefully he's like calming down now. He has like a family, but. Oh, uh, he does? Yeah, yeah. 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 He's been like married to the same person for a while. So I think this movie was like the last run, you know, but he gave us enough. He gave us enough. He yeah, can retire and not. Yeah, need to be taken. He really can't take many more risks, statistically speaking, alone. Right. I mean, when he, in that one episode, or that one movie where he ride, tries to ride the rocket over the lake, <laughs> that almost killed him because, like, yeah. it exploded. And it yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Why do you, uh, what, so artistically, what about him strikes you? The fact that he hurts himself? Or like, well, I get, yeah, just like the martyr complex. The like he masochistic? Like, yeah, like he's like a, that's like a, like, supposedly a Piscean trait. Like, oh, being okay. like a martyr, or like a mask, you know, like, so he's like, I, I don't know. I just like that he's like, okay, I'm going to literally, like, put my body on the line to create what I consider art. And it, like, influenced our culture and, like, yeah. A bigger way than a lot of people realize. I definitely want to take more risks as a kid because I saw that. <laughs> Maybe that's a bad way influenced <laughs> it, but yeah. I mean, it was fun. Yeah. Do you know anything about Francis Bacon art? I've heard the name. Okay. I don't know if I do. He's super masochistic. Okay. And it comes out in his artwork. Interesting. And uh, I don't know, just remind me of that. Yeah. I'll have like, to look into that. He like got the shit beat out of him once, out of his face, and he was like bleeding out. And he went to his friend and was like, "Will you help me?" And the guy was like, "Yeah." I'll sit. He's like, "He's like, you need to go to the doctor." He's like, "No, you sew my face up." And oh then, my god! Oh, that's guy, crazy. And then the guy was like, "Okay, I'll, I'll use some anesthetics." He's like, "No, don't use any anesthetics. I want you to do it." Just it was Oof. crazy. You know? Yeah. But his artwork, like, you've seen Silence of the Lambs, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So when Lec uh, Lecter or whatever kills the guy, the basically jail guard outside of that big dome, guard, and then that person's hanging there like that, that's 
influenced by Francis Okay, Bacon. interesting. Because he would draw these really exotic, like, skeletons of meat hanging in yeah. meat lockers and then put people in with them and it's just like really brooding. Totally. I mean, you know, someone has to be the person in the culture to like confront death. Like someone's got to do it. It's like a very dark like conversation, but I mean it's fun. It's yeah, it's interesting. Like not everything can be yeah flowers and rainbows so no yeah. it's almost makes <laughs> almost puts me more at ease to see something dark I'm no like, totally I yeah i mean i'm very like, into like if someone's like be happy i'm like i'm not always happy but i'm totally always, i'm always enjoying life yeah so yeah I'm like, and i think you can enjoy it more when you accept that part of it but yeah i i feel like film wise i'm kind of into and even music wise like some stuff i listen to definitely like the darker side of life so yeah, yeah. As much of today's like stuff is about being happy and repressing any feelings of exactly, sadness. I would rather I'm like about express the feelings. Totally, same. But the happiness. Feel your feelings. Feel all of them. Yeah. So yeah. life's about joy, <laughs> not about being happy. Yeah. True. Very true. So what? Uh, what do you, I'm guessing you like horror movies. Um, kinda. I I like didn't become a movie person until a couple years ago really like i really didn't know a lot about movies but i got i watched there were like a few movies that kind of i was like oh wait like not every movie is like some superhero blockbuster like i'm into like cool stuff now i don't know i i really love like joan crawford old movies so like johnny guitar like first like feminist western movie one of the first like revisionist westerns with a female lead that movie like changed my whole perspective of like a lot of stuff so i'm really into like revisionist westerns like pat garrett billy the kid all the way to like dead man in the 90s uh, uh which is like my favorite movie johnny 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 depp um, and didn't johnny greenwood do the uh, uh neil, neil young neil young, neil did, young yeah. did the who's Soundtrack. my number one favorite of all time like, oh i could talk neil young all day but yeah it's so sparse and like it's just him and, and his guitar, like, watching it as it happens. Anyway, it's beautiful. So I got really into, like, stuff like that. And there's some weird... There's one I can't remember the name of. It's a German Western filmed in the early 70s. And Cannes did the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And it's super dark, but, like, psychedelic at the same time. Love stuff like that. But, yeah, I am into, like, horror, but not, like, cheesy, like, slasher yeah. horror. Like, I'm into, like... Uh, I love, like vampire movies Ooh. like Bram Stoker's Dracula, Near Dark, Catherine Bigelow. Uh, she was like the first woman to get director of the year at the Golden Globes or Oscars or something. I really like The Lost Boys oh, yeah. and um, Kiefer. Yeah, just stuff like that. I'm really into. That Dracula movie, is that the one with Gary Oldman? It's the one in the 90s with Johnny Depp and Winona Ryder. Uh, yeah, it's really good. Very theatric. It's, like, amazing. I don't know if I've seen it. You should watch Who it. Who plays Dracula? Johnny Depp? Uh, yeah, I think. Yes. Really? Wow. No, he doesn't play Dracula. It's, like... No, I can't remember. Because there's, like, Keanu Reeves' Dracula movie. There is that with one, Gary too. Ullman. Which Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman is pretty terrifying. Yeah, so. yeah. Dracula. No, that is that, is that one, yes. Oh, yes, okay. Keanu's in that one also, yes. Okay. Um, like yeah, I'm really into that. Um, I feel like there's more, but I can't think of them at the moment. But, yeah, I don't know. I just realized, like, 
like interview with a vampire. I don't know. I oh, like all yeah. that stuff. It's just interesting. And there's like a big like cultural. Like, a lot of those movies were made in the 80s during the AIDS crisis. There's, like, a lot of, like, undertone of that in vampire movies. And, like, the more I watch, the more I realize that. So I'm, like, weirdly into <laughs> into that, I guess. So, yeah. I'm not, I'm not into slashers and stuff. I get really scared by that. But I love, like, dark, you know, Thriller. Hills Have Eyes, Ooh. Wicker Man, like, 70s, 80s, like, horrors. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. What books have you been reading lately? Lately, I have been reading a lot of books for like research and kind of the podcast I'm working on. So I just read the book Outlaw about kind of Waylon Willie, everybody, which was interesting. Some of the stuff I knew, but some of the stuff it I didn't know. And then it also kind of opened doors for like, okay, there's like not much history about this year, like this artist that got mentioned, let me dig into that. I've been really into, I, for a while, like in college and after most of the books I read are music biographies or like nonfiction. And I did just read the Johnny Thunders biography, which was really cool. I love New York Dolls, but I've been into fiction lately because I think I like let myself get back into it. Like it's like, oh, like you don't have to read some smart encyclopedia all the time. But uh, one of my favorite writers is Melissa Broder. Like she had this Twitter account called So Sad Today Forever and it was like anonymous. And then she came out like as the pen name or whatever. And she has a few books. She just put out a new one called Milk Fed and another one called Super Dooms, a collection of her poetry. So I just read those two, which were really great. She's a very, like, it's definitely, like, millennial womanhood stuff, but she's very, like, stark and honest, which a lot of people aren't, so. Assertive. Yeah. Yeah. I like that, stark and honest. Yeah, she is. She talks about stuff a lot of other people. Yeah, you don't meet don't. a lot of people <laughs> nowadays. It seems like that. I hate it when people say, let me be honest. Or yeah, it's like you can just be honest, and also in a kind, yeah, and in a kind way. You don't have to be brutally honest exactly. or say something that's gonna hurt someone, but like right. just being like, "Hey, let's talk about this thing that no one wants to talk about." Like, yeah, and then gets it out of the way. And people are like, "Cheese, Jordan." I'm like, "Well, I thought I didn't know you wanted me to lie to you." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't know I you wanted me to. I thought I could tell you how I felt. <laughs> I yeah, guess we're not that good friends. Yeah, my mom is always like, like I, I do not have a problem holding back things, and maybe I should have more of a filter. But my mom will be like, "Tell me how you really feel." Like that's how what she always replies with, and I'm like, "Okay, I get it. Um, maybe I should tone it down." That's awesome. My grandmother was very assertive. She was, she would I'd be like riding the back car. We're going to the gas station. My grandfather's pumping gas. My grandma or grandma, can we get? Can I get some candy? And she's just like, no. <laughs> and I just knew. Yeah. Just her. like, don't ask her again. Her word was like, bond. Yeah, yeah. It's a good way to be. Yeah. Cool. What is something absurd you like slash do? Absurd. I feel like an absurd. I feel absurd every day. Um. <laughs> I don't like what's an example like what's something absurd you're into I don't I'm sure there's something I could think of I just okay. don't know what to choose from <laughs> yeah I give you an example I gave this example in the last episode but I'll do it again <laughs> so when I was younger uh, I don't know why I did this um, but 
I used to, uh, before I'd go to sleep, I used to beat my face against my pillow. Oh. <laughs> like an emotional release, like, no, I guess. No, just yeah. like, I oh. would do that and to, to music or to like a song in my head. And that, to me, for some reason was relaxing. Yeah. And then I would go to sleep after that. And sometimes that would be for like 30 minutes. Sometimes it would be for <laughs> two hours. Um. But... I mean, I'm into like yoga and sometimes, I haven't done it in a minute, but now I have a garage. I am into like kind of building furniture or like oh. stuff like that. I guess a weird, absurd ritual. I have like writer's block rituals. Like oh. if I have writer's block, I'll like, like I work in like the library archives and stuff or like a coffee shop. And I always have like my toothbrush with me and I'll like brush my teeth if I have writer's block. I mean, not in, like, some public restroom, but, like, you know, like, it's, like, if I can't think, I'm, like, okay, I'll take a five-minute break, brush my teeth, and, like, the physical movement of it. We'll reset. You know, it's kind of, like, going for a walk, or I'll, like, take a bath in the middle of the day and then try to write again, or, like, I've tried, like, other writer's tricks where you, like, hold an unlit cigarette while you're writing just so your hand is doing something, and you, like, have to... I don't know. Sometimes when I can't think, I try like absurd little rituals like that. Wow. <laughs> so what do you like? What inspires you now? What do you find inspiration? For writing. For anything. For, for life. anything. For life. Uh, what is it that you see in other people that you're like, ah, I, I love that, or? Hmm. That's like quite a question. You know? I guess I could ask it this way. You're so into like outlaw country. What is it about that that like? You're so, yeah, uh, there's certainly a theme, I guess, of for everyone. All the culture you're into obviously has some like common theme, and like, I I mean, a big thing for me is like honesty, it, like in outlaw or like weird movies or like books of poetry. Like it's all about just like coming forward with things that maybe you wouldn't normally say out loud in like an artistic way cool and I think just like being yourself like I don't know I grew up in like Mississippi where everyone was very sorority fraternity preppy oh, Christian yeah. so it was like I always was myself uncompromisingly and it paid off yeah. so I love seeing other people do that or just people that are really determined and like have an artistic vision inspires me like all my friends I feel like are really ambitious hard-working people and that's really inspiring that I'm like around them and we can all like congratulate each other and help each other so yeah, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I think that was a great answer yeah I feel like in outlaw country people say how they feel maybe more or less in a brash way yeah but it's just their form of communication that's just totally and it's just rebellious like I love yeah. anything that's why I love punk and like I've always been like the like someone tells me to do something and I just do the opposite even if it's like it's like dumb like someone could like tell me to like oh you should go here and I'm like well I'm not gonna do that then yeah. but it's it's like in a better way if someone like has ever discouraged me in my career. I'm like, well, I'm gonna prove them uh, wrong. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know, anything rebellious I love and I'm drawn to, like some of us are just a little, you know, <laughs> like rebels at heart, I guess. Yeah, you have to be in this day and age when everyone's trying to tell you how to live. Honestly, yeah, doing your own thing is way cooler and just works out better in the end, so. Being able to be by yourself. Oh my God, 
an amazing tree. I mean, I'm an introvert, so Same it's never here. been a problem, but I, I love hanging out with myself. Same it's here. the best. I'm yeah. like, I'm my own best friend. Yeah, it's it's good. Because I'm always like, if I want to go do something, and then I ask someone if they want to go do it, they don't want to go do it, does that mean I don't go do it? No. I still go do go, it. Go into a yeah. movie by yourself? I'm like, I still go, yeah, Yeah, everything. it's like amazing. You still got to yeah. go do it. Totally. Go to a show by yourself, bring oh. a book, take yourself to dinner. Love all of that. Well, it's great well, like, when you go by yourself, then you can leave whenever you want. Exactly. Yeah. That's you can, yeah, it's great. The freedom, you're malleable. Yes. Spontaneity. Yeah. You come here. You, like, go to a museum alone. You don't have to, like, comment on everything. Oh, yeah. You just, like, like think about it. And right. then, like, it's great. <laughs> it's great. Well, cheers to a fellow introvert. Yes. All right. Is there anything else that I haven't asked? Um... That I feel like I've been trying to. I've been trying to gauge. I think you ask great to, questions. I feel like we got into a lot of stuff. I I don't think there's anything else really. Okay. Yeah. Well, anything coming up that you're doing that? The record I'm working on for ARC uh, is uh, "Buried Loot" by Lonnie Hutchins. Comes out December 10th. So that's exciting. We have a release show, co-release show with Caitlin Rose coming up Saturday after Thanksgiving. And then I'm just working on, you know, articles and podcast stuff that'll come out as they come out. So I yeah. like that answer. <laughs> yeah. Keep it all on Keep your own it terms. A little, yeah. I mean, you know, freelance, it's hard to, it's like one thing at a time anyway, but, um, right. Yeah. <laughs> so wait, what is ARC? Oh, Appalachia Record Co. The oh. imprint on cleft. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Thanks for being here, Olivia. Thank you for interviewing me. I hope it didn't get too weird in there, but no. uh, I think it was a good conversation. Yeah, I thought so too. <laughs>